0: Third degree, the
1: third degree, never forget. Third degree, the third degree, never forget. Third degree, the third degree, never forget. Third degree. The podcast is brought to you by Soccer 90. Champions League finale. The sale is finishing this Saturday, the 29th, with 40% off select European club gear, and of course, because you're a 3rd Degree listener, you still get 25% off your entire pie of merchandise when you choose and use the code Third Degree at checkout at Soccer90.com. Go do that. Well, hello there, FC Dallas curious fans. Welcome to another edition of 3rd Degree of the Podcast. Hi, I'm Peter, joined by my two good friends. First, Dan Crook. Hey, Dan.
0: Hey, Peter. I'm feeling a little bit targeted. Uh, Sock 90 actually tweeted me earlier and said that if Luton, if they had Luton Town stuff, it would be in the UCL sale. Hmm. I was like, well, we stayed up. We didn't get relegated. Come on. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and your hero, my hero, everybody's hero, founder, editor of Third Degree, the podcast and Third Degree, the empire, the good Buzz Carrick. Come in, Buzz.
2: Hi, Peter. Calling in from my house today where I'm celebrating the fact that Newcastle stayed up for like the third consecutive year, despite the fact that you and Eddie both picked in to be relegated for like the third consecutive year.
1: We did. I actually, uh, when we get to, to uh, get around to doing the uh, next episode of the kick around, which is not this weekend because we're off this weekend. One of the things I want to talk about is the surprising 12th place finish of Newcastle United and what Newcastle fans must be thinking about Steve Bruce, considering this is like the best finish they've had in a really, really long time. And they all generally hate his guts.
2: (laughs) They seem to. I mean, to me, he's like a uh, not to make this a Newcastle podcast, but to me, he's a guy that that puts together like scrappy teams that battle and dig out points. I mean, you know, and if you're not one of the big, rich teams, which Newcastle right now are not, you know, that's that's a good combo to keep you alive.
1: But isn't it a crime that Newcastle, with all of its potential, is not one of the big money teams?
2: Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> it's horrible. It's it really? the
1: worst. I mean, yeah. it's got a great brand. It's in a oh. massive city. It could be a just yeah. an absolute juggernaut. Yeah. Uh, well, sorry you didn't get your nation state owner.
2: Yeah. Well, and I mean, we there's still the something going on there, so we'll see.
1: All right, Buzz. Um, Dallas 2, Real Salt Lake 2. I thought that was a really shitty game, but I have a weird feeling you're going to try to sell me on the fact that Dallas actually wasn't all that bad.
2: Uh, yeah, I don't know why you'd find that was a weird feeling because you know it's coming. Look, we, I try to often review things and talk about things with this team in the context of this season. And in the context of the season, if you play like that all the time, you're going to be a mid-table team that's going to be scrapping and fighting to make the playoffs. Well, prior to this game, we thought this looked like a team that was not going to be in last place the whole season. You know, there's some things that you could fix, and we had hope still, and we had hoped that some of the moves they would make would try and get them to move up in the table, and I don't, that right now doesn't look like that's going to happen. But if you can replicate this performance, particularly if you can replicate this performance on the road, you're going to be in the middle of the pack and you're going to be in the mix and you might be able to make the playoffs.
1: Okay. Let me, let me uh, push a little bit on you on this, which is how much of what we saw Saturday in Frisco was Dallas playing really well or a Salt Lake team that really just had its mindset on sitting super deep back and just looking for counterattacks and weren't really putting too much effort in getting forward.
2: Well, that's the way RSL plays. They don't play through the middle of the field. They play over the top. Um, You know, I think that their run of home games makes people think they're a little bit better than they are, but you know, there's a point at which you can say the team's playing really bad. They need to make these changes. They make some of those changes and they play better. Then we have to say, Hey, fair credit. That was better. They fixed two or three things on the list of things that can be fixed. And the team's better now, you know, they're not going to win anything with this, playing like they are there's still a lot of shortcomings but you know as an individual game in the context of this season that was a significantly better performance
1: okay that sounds like Stockholm syndrome to me Dan what is your overall opinion about the uh 2-2 draw uh
0: incredibly unlucky not to win it uh Frank O'Hara yay Oh my gosh, he scored. He did the thing he's paid to do and then looked like a, a soccer player after that, not a Mopi Mauro Diaz clone. <laughs> uh, no, but uh, yeah, I mean seriously, I I thought it was a, you know, it was a very positive performance. Um a certain goat had a couple of brain fart moments that maybe took some shine off it, but um yeah uh the the only the thing that kind of bothered me is uh you know it's always been the defense looks good but the attack's crap and i think saturday it would look like the opposite which means you know you can recover the defense you know you've got the players for it and kickstarting the uh the attack is is is, is definitely progress uh something that we hadn't seen from the previous uh five games so yeah i mean you gotta be happy with that you get uh you're going back to a Colorado side that are somehow four points ahead, but have only uh, scored one goal more. Um, and then you've got the international break to kind of recoup, get some injured players back and, you know, maybe uh, sit down and really uh, really uh, nail down what FC Dallas' uh, identity is this season.
1: Yeah, that'll be interesting that they do only have one game left before an extended break and even if they get a win at that point they'll have only won twice the entire season and have co- will have collected only 9 out of a potential uh you know what's uh, what is um 7 times three, 21 points mm-hmm. um and and at this point you know they've played at home four times um they've Run only three, gotten sick yeah yeah they've only gotten six points and, and you know again just not that anybody's counting okay um lucci is 5 7 and 18 that's 18 losses in his uh, his career so i it this is i don't know i can't figure out in my head if this is the start we expected or if this is even a, a bit worse than we were anticipating oh it's this is worse. definitely
2: worse yeah definitely worse than i was expecting to, as a start there's no question that they've dug themselves a massive hole but, you know, in the context of being the last place team in the league, there was progress last game, you know. Now, given how many games they played and how many points they are already behind, you know, they're going to have to play some pretty good soccer if they want to try and get in. You know, they still got a lot of work to do. Um, but the, the positive news is that, the, you know, the, there's still a tiny bit of window open right now and the next window opens in a month. And, um, you know, there's some ways you can recover the season, you know, some things that could happen that could make this team better um and some things that Lucci did that made the scene better so you know there, there's a little bit of positivity to be had i mean i'm not saying that they're going to win mls cup because they're a long long way from that but you know okay. there's, a, there's some positive things happening
1: all right i'm gonna go with you here buzz i'm gonna believe in you uh give me some more of your sales spiel on why this was a better improved performance for us to be hopeful about
2: well, specifically, Lucci made two tactical adjustments that paid off. And number one was they wanted Franco Harris. excuse me a second. <clears throat> they wanted Franco Harris to play higher, and he did that. Uh, he got up near the box. He had, he had as many, he, he had half of his shots on the whole season, half of his shots on goal for the whole season came in one game because of this change. Corollary to that, the other side of the change was that they wanted Brian Acosta to be back as an eight again and not as the six. And he did that. And they used Tanner for the six. Now, during the week, they looked at both Evan Cerillo and Tanner as a six. And they went with Tanner. We can talk about Tanner in a minute. But because Acosta went higher, there was less attention to Ricarte. And Ricarte had eight key passes. That's eight scoring chances created from one player. Now, four is a spectacular game. So to have eight, that's incredible. Dallas created, like 29 shots on goal. Just an exceptional number of opportunities. Now, sure, RSL's not great. But those two changes, moving Acosta higher and moving Hara higher, both worked and both made the team better. So those are two direct coaching changes that Lucci deserves full credit for, and it made the team better. So So, those are the things.
1: All right, just to set the table for people that don't know, could you define what key pass means and what actually qualifies as a key pass?
2: Sure. A a key pass is sometimes you'll see it referred to as chances created. Essentially, it has to do with how many times you created a Scoring opportunity with your pass, you know, they had a higher XG on this game because the key passes created scoring opportunities, uh, which led directly to Frank O'Hara's, you know, high number of shots, the high number of shots for the team, the high number of shots on goal for the team, the goalkeeper for Real Salt Lake had eight saves. I think it was, that's a spectacular number of saves for a keeper to have to have. Mm -hmm. So again, you know, this was, this was everything you want offensively, other than the fact that they didn't win. You know, and Oscar Pereira used to say sometimes you have to throw out the score when you're analyzing whether your play was better or not. You have to sometimes ignore the score. And this is true in this game because Matt had just brain farts twice and get lets uh, the team back in. So, you know, it, from, from a team that could not generate offense, from a horror who was ter- had been absolutely horrific, from Ricarte not creating enough chances before this game, from Acosta having to be the sixth before this game, all that stuff changed and got better overnight. Now, can you do it again? Got to do it again. If it was a one-off, it doesn't count. You have to keep, keep it going. So, but that's a positive sign, positive direction.
1: All right.
0: For the short uh, version, Peter, your answer was a pass that leads to a shot.
1: Oh, okay. Thank you. I appreciate that <laughs> brief edited definition. <laughs> pass that leads to a shot scoring
2: opportunity yeah
1: i get it okay fair enough i I mean i knew the answer i just we keep using terminology i'm not convinced everybody else knows what it means and some of it's uh you know soccer nerd stuff so why not just do everybody a favor and make sure we're all on the same page right um okay now my next question is how do we feel about Obreon and Vargas? If, if if things are better and there was a sign of positivity, do we feel any better about those two new guys?
2: Well, I think Obreon, to me, I don't know where you are on this, stand. Obreon, to me, is exactly the same he's been all season, which is like an early Barrios, early yeah. Castillo clone. And that is what it is. And I think there's some effectiveness in MLS there. You know, six months from now or even a year from now, is he going to be better? I mean, I would hope so. Vargas, I thought actually this was one of his better games, but I don't think Vargas has done enough to hold on to that job uh, in the long run yet. And that, when I get down to the practice part, I'll bring, let's come back to the Vargas part, but, um, you, you tease. know, yeah, tease. I'm, I'm all about the teasing these days. Um, hmm. I just want to keep things where they belong, you know? So not, not great, but part of, part of what uh, like this is one of the things I wanted to talk about today was that um, I, I would have called this the same four three three they have always played with just a slight adjustment to tactics for a couple of guys and the club put it out that it was a four one four one, so that that made me feel a little weird. I was like, well, it's not really that because and Vargas are still wings, you know. But because Har was playing a little higher, they both started from deeper and Vargas was able to play outside in like he likes to do. So they were both fine. You know, they weren't part of the what was better. Um, but they were the same as they have been.
1: All right. Well then let's uh, move back into the midfield. It was an interesting lineup in the fact that it, I think we're all going to be in agreement that Tanner ended up kind of playing as the uh, single six or was there a lot of swapping going on there?
2: No, no, it was pure single six from Tanner. Um, He didn't do a lot of tackling. He only won two of five, but he was in a large number of duels and he had a large number of pressures, you know, so he's defending by position basically, and his passing vision is really nice there. Uh, Certainly his passing is much better than Edwin Cerreau, but um, I'm sure Dan can confirm this. Arsenal does not play through the middle, so it was not a particularly heavy defensive assignment for Tanner. That's going to be a big thing to watch, particularly going forward against somebody like Colorado, who has pretty good central midfielders. So we'll see how this holds up. That's an actual big question mark going forward.
0: Like you say, uh, Tanner had uh, the most touches in the entire game. Yeah, you know, just because he's dropping forward between the defender, uh, the centre backs, picking up the ball, and you know there's not really a whole lot of pressure coming up the middle from from RSL, so he's got time to play a couple of passes, spread it out wide as we know they they like to do, and yeah, it was, uh, I mean he did everything that was asked of him. It wasn't a, it certainly wasn't a bad game uh, in a in a strong midfield performance.
2: Yeah, the trick with him going forward is if, if you play a team where the guy in the middle wants to dribble past you, that's probably Tanner's weakest offensive ability is like when the attacker comes at him, is he going to hit him and tackle him and take him and wipe him out or is he just going to try and run with him? And that's where he can get caught. So that'll be a thing to watch.
1: And I'm going to guess that you're going to heap some levels of praise, more praise. You've talked about Ricarte a bit, but I haven't heard you mention Brian Acosta and a guy that we, I think we've all agreed has had a really strong season after a couple of really crummy ones.
2: Yeah. I mean, how much can we keep talking about how great this guy is? I mean, he's definitely the MVP for me, like putting him high and not using him as a six and letting him play as a real linking eight and playing box to box was great. It was part of what made the whole team better. So you know, again, you can run through any of the numbers you want. And Acosta had another phenomenal game. Um, uh, I only wish that he had been playing like this for the last two or three years, because the guy right now is playing lights out. It's unbelievable.
1: Um. Okay. Well, uh, then I guess that means we have to move back to the bad part of the game, <laughs> which is: Are we? I is what we're seeing with Matt, who you know is cranked out more weird bad decisions or. Uh, or, or errors in a short part of a season that I think we've seen him collectively do over his entire career. Is this injury-related? Is this age-related, Buzz? What's going on with Matt? Matt, I hope it's
2: uh, injury-related because 31 is where you start to see a decline in performance, but you know, so much of defending, particularly for Hedges, is about game reading and being in the right place. That shouldn't be falling off. That should be better than ever. So for him to have these mental letdowns uh It's concerning because I, I wonder if he's worried about too many other things. Like I Manjoma on his right is basically a rookie, you know, and and he's still learning to play with Martinez, and he's worried about Tanner in front of him, and may, maybe he's a little worried that because uh, Maurer's is not one hundred percent, so he's, he's thinking about all these things. Maybe I mean I'm grasping at straws here because I haven't seen this rough of a game mentally out of Hedges in a long time. It's um, he's he's
0: strung together a few. uh, Iffy performances even back into pre I remember that that Austin game he had he dropped a couple of clangers and we kinda mentioned, well, you know, good, he's getting out in pre season, it'll be gone by the time the season rolls around. Um I will say that surface was so slick with the rain. Coming back from a sprained ankle, he is probably skating along thinking, crap, I can't overcommit because I will re injure this. Um and that is, you know, if that starts weighing on your mind, it's it's curtains. Uh, so, you, you know, whether that kind of changes his mind on trying to clear the ball or, or uh, marking the wrong player um, on a on a high cross, who knows? But uh, you know, there's there's definitely some, you know, some some rope there to say, you know, why he may have had a. A pretty poor outing
1: yeah I, I sometimes I wonder if everybody takes into considerations all the changes that Matt's having to deal with and you know uh, for players like Matt a lot of it has to do with consistency and he's had none of it um, this season and, and I think you make good points about Majoma I mean the first goal was you know he just tries to clear a ball and I think it's Acosta that just kind of gets in the way and he bangs off the back of Acosta back into the box and but what I thought was really unusual was how Hedges reacted to chasing the guy with the ball down and how easily he got cut back on and lost. And then on the second one, um, I, 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 you know, I've seen different people trying to blame different things on it, but it, to me it just appears that Matt just never uh, makes any kind of engagement with his mark or somebody he's supposed to be marking, and it was just an easy goal.
0: There's no chance that Demir Krylak is supposed to be marked by Eddie Manjoma at any point. So yeah, you've got Matt's know. trying to pick up Brisson's guy, Eddie's screaming at the back, I've got Silva and and and, Krylak and you know, and he kinda and he makes that weird dash at the last second when it's it's too late. It was it was like the keeper that's watched an easy shot go past him, cough Ralph, Fernandez, and then tries to make this you know athletic leap to say, Oh well at least I tried, right?
1: Do we put either one of those? Do we do we throw in uh, Jimmy Maurer uh, to the Wolves on either one of those?
2: He could have been a little bit better on the second one, maybe. You know, maybe would have been a little late coming across, and of course Eddie could have helped a little bit. But, um, you know, I, I think Maurer is still coming back from injury a little bit. I don't think he'd be playing if Philippe was available, yeah, uh, which we'll uh, get to in a minute. <laughs> actually, he did say he only had half a training session, so he was yeah.
0: definitely. You know, it's it's kind of funny. You, you mentioned uh, you know the all the changes around Matt and speak. I was I was asking uh, Ryan after the game about you know playing. He's playing behind three different left wings every game right now, and you know, and, and what it's like with those changes. And and he kind of just kind of went on this little tangent about changes don't matter to me. You know, I'm going to be the best left back I can to be the best left back in the league. If I go to the right, I'm going to try and be the best right back in the league. It doesn't matter who's playing alongside me. It doesn't matter who's playing ahead of me. And a lot of this, like, you know, if if the ball needs saving on the line, I'm trying to be there. If the goal needs scoring, I'm trying to be there. And kind of like, like there was some, maybe some anger at teammates uh, hidden a little bit there.
1: Like, what do you mean? Like, who would he be mad at? Well, just, I mean, the,
0: the way he's kind of talking about players not, you know, th- that he has to put the team on his back and, and do these things that others aren't.
1: All right, well, I, you know, I, Ryan's an interesting case because he is kind of the utility uh, uh, knife for this team. And the other thing that Ryan has that I just don't see from anybody else, which leads me to my thing I want to talk about with Paxton Because when Paxton comes on the field, especially in this particular game, there's a level of um, uh, drive and intent that that kid puts on the field that, other than Ryan, just appears to be absent from everybody else. Let me just use an example. When I see Brian Acosta or Ricarte get on a ball, or even Tanner to a degree, or either one of the wings and Vargas and uh, Obreon... Or Eddie in the at the right wing. I don't see people willing to carry a ball and you know through space and progress with the ball and drive with the ball and attack with the ball. I see a lot of almost overly patient play with it, and I and I don't and it just seems pervasive th- through the team. And that's why I can't really tell if if Paxton's really good and back in place, or he's just because he's doing it and nobody else is. It just makes him look like he's playing better than everybody else.
2: Well, to be fair to Paxton, not to be fair, to give him full credit, this is the first game to me where I don't see any drop-off from last year. Like I watched him and I thought, oh yeah, fantastic, Paxton's back. You know, 100% drive, 100% commitment. I thought he looked as good as he's looked in a year. So the other side of Paxton is that he uh, has a little bit of Bobby Ryan in him him, and that he is like that intense 100% all the time both in practice and in games. And he actually needs to learn to not be like that because that's part of why I think he's getting hurt all the time because he doesn't let off. Sometimes you have to let off in training and you have to let off. Sometimes in games, you have to manage yourself and have some wisdom about when to go and what, when not to go. So sometimes Paxton looks like that because he really is just a hundred percent intense, a hundred percent of the time he doesn't ever slack and everybody else takes time off in the game and slacks a little bit from time to time. Ryan in particular takes a lot of time off during the week. He's not at all. I mean, Ryan's a gamer, right? During the week, Ryan kind of half asses it. And then he shows up in the game and, and is the man. So it's like, you know, everyone's different, but yeah, you know, Ryan's not a, that's, I mean, he's a great guy in practice and he's an emotional leader, but he's not a hundred percent drive, a hundred percent driven, a hundred percent intense trainer. He's more of a casual. I know what I'm doing. I'm going to be there on the game day. You know, it's just, Everybody's but, different.
1: But do you understand what I'm talking about? Like yeah. put, putting drive on the field and like actually trying to go somewhere with it?
2: Going at somebody. Well, you remember last yeah. year when Jesus was playing like as a 10 and we, we were talking about how he was at his best when he would go at those gaps and drive into the box because no one else does it either. So, you know, it's Paxton. You're right. hundred percent. He's the only one that really does that. Ricarte, that's not his game. Acosta, that's not his game. You would hope that O'Brien and Vargas would do it too. Like Vargas talked about that being his game. He hasn't been super effective at it yet, but hopefully he's a guy that can contribute some of that.
1: Hmm. All right. Well, let's talk a, a few minutes about Eddie Manjoma, who I'm still pretty frustrated by. Uh, you know, I guess we're spoiled after coming off of Reggie and, and Brian and, and some, you know, options they've had over the last several years at that position. I, I just I still can't figure out why Eddie refuses to attack space and try to beat defenders.
2: Yeah, he... um, (laughs) Well, listen, Eddie Munjoma, there's a reason why he was in college for four years and not signed out of the academy at 15 or 18. But nonetheless, this game was an improvement. Again, we're looking for improvements. He had 20 touches in the offensive third, I think it was, on this game. Now, you're right. Zero dribbles, though. He's not going at people yet. But he did make a tiny step forward. So, you know, again... We need to see. Per- this is one of the five or six things that Lucci needs to get fixed for the team to be good. Right back mm-hmm. has to get fixed, and this was a step forward, but it's still not the answer. He needs to go at people. He needs to beat people. He needs to get more crosses into the box. At least he got into the offensive third, which wasn't he never had done before. Mm-hmm. So a baby step, but you're right. Right now he's not up for it. But we talked about this at the beginning of the season. If you were going to go with Eddie, you got to give him half the season to play in before he's gonna be anywhere like Reggie was at all at any point. I mean he's never gonna be like Brian, but you know, you could get him to be like close to Reggie if you give him plenty of time because he didn't get the time at North Texas last year, so he's having to do it now. Mm -hmm. And um it's a definitely a learning progress.
1: See, that's interesting you say that because my perception of Majoma's history is is that while he has played this position, he's more of a Brian Reynolds type, an attacking-minded defender versus Reggie, meaning a defender with that will attack.
2: He is, but I'm talking about um, the athleticism and the upside. He's uh, never going to have what Brian Reynolds has. He, he could get to the Reggie Cannons you know ability to get up and down the field you're right he is more of an offensive player than a defensive player which is weird you know basically I think and Dan talked about this last week I think you know they've been so focused on the defense with him that the kid lost sight of the fact that the reason he got this opportunity was because of his offense and so they're having to wake him up and remind him hey don't forget you're out here for the offense and and Lucci's you know backhandedly mentioned they need more offense out of that position
0: I don't know like what you've seen in practice but you know, it's almost like is this coach led or is this player led? Because yeah, it was the first time he he reached the uh, opponent's box. Actually, nearly created a goal for uh, Ricarte off a nice bit of play. But yeah, he's he's an attacking guy. He's maybe it's been a disservice to his game where for the last four years he's kind of had that weird free role where he has an entire side of the field uh, at SMU and. You know, not had necessarily a structured game at, at a fullback or wing back position, and now he's trying to have in, kind of having to go
2: right. So defend now. I need to figure out when to go. My my take is that he's playing not to make mistakes, and you guys know when you play not to make mistakes, you, you make mistakes. Lots of mistakes. You got to play, especially on the offensive frame. You know that kid needs to play free and open and take chances. If you never take any chances, all you're going to do is make mistakes and fumble it. And that's basically what we're seeing out of the guy. So I'm, I'm hoping that someone can give him the confidence and that his teammates will give him the confidence to give him a chance to try some stuff. Cause right now he's not even trying stuff. I mean, zero yeah. dribbles is not what you wanted out of any No, no, yeah.
1: not at all. Uh, okay. So uh, maybe I'm, maybe my perception of how you'd sell this Jimmy was incorrect, but so I think what you're saying is you're not saying Dallas played good. You're just saying they played better.
2: Better, yeah, yeah. No, I would never tell you that they're good yet. I'm just telling you that in the context of this craptastic season, that this was better. And if you play like this the rest of the year, you'll be able to grind out some points and get mid-table. I know you hate it, but this is where that we sounds are. sounds
1: exciting. All
0: right, kick no. it no. It goes so listen, back to your uh, tallest kindergartner, right? This was their yeah. best performance of the season, although that's not saying much.
2: Look, we we, we always I always talk about context, right? This is not... It's not going to be a great team, but it's like for it's for the last place team that sucked like two weeks ago, it's now not suck. Now there are now worse teams that you could do this and you can compete in this league if you play like this.
1: Yeah, but I, you know, look, if I'm just being a fan here, right, and I'm just being uh, and, I, and I'm not being... Realistic or fair it's year three of Lucci and this whole idea of what they're trying to do post Oscar. And yeah. I don't feel like the team's made any progress whatsoever. They've, and you know, they've sold off some talent and they haven't brought in much new or better or interesting talent. And I just, I it just feels like we're just tre- the, the club and the team's just treading water and not getting anywhere. And I know it's early in the season and that's kind of a, a crummy way to look at it, but I don't know.
2: I, well, in the off week, maybe that'll be a good pod to do is sort of look back over the over that time frame. But I would agree with you. I think the club is actually worse now than it was three years ago.
1: I think it's gotten oh, worse each year. Thanks for that, Buzz. I appreciate it. <laughs> <Now> <laughs> made me feel much You've made me feel much better. <laughs> yeah. That's not my Huntsman, job to make you
0: feel good. <laughs> that wasn't a Huntsman dump. But it was certainly a
1: dump. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Chris All Bush. right. Well, uh, you did go to practice today, and hopefully there was some good stuff from uh, that session.
2: Well, the thing that was the overwhelming thing was how few players there are available. And huh? Yeah, it was amazing. I've never seen a thinner practice in my life. So, really, you're gonna, you're gonna love this list. Okay, so number one, shun has gone already. So because he's, our, he's
1: hurt, or he went to Hungary?
2: Oh, I assume he's in Hungary. Well, as far as I know, he's not hurt. He just he was gone. So their camp starts like today. So I assume he left oh, okay. uh, to go to Hungary. So that's fine. Philippe is out. Right. You knew that. Zoback's
1: out. <laughs> wait a second. Right. Has there ever in the history of this club been an international signing <laughs> that has been as, as uh, just openly dismissed <laughs> as yeah. that guy has? Yeah. Well, you wait. Yeah. Frank yeah. Watching. Well, but I mean, yeah, but I mean, Franco got here and is at least put in games. This other guy came in, you know, sped around the field, did nothing for the total of how many minutes has he put in so far this season? Oh L- man, like I like to look thirty tops, yeah, and yeah. I mean, he's touched the ball less times than I have fingers, and he—I don't know—it just seems I, that continues to be the weirdest story on this team. I don't yeah. get it. You watch,
2: he's going to tear up the Euros, and they're going to sell him next window. He'll play, Great. that'll be it. He'll never yeah. come back. All right, exactly. so anyway, uh, Philippe is out. Zobek's out. Um, no sign of Philippe at all today. I don't. Dan's got some timelines on some of these guys. Zobeck's out. Nikki Hernandez is out, standing on the sideline. Jesus Farah out. Uh, Nick, uh, Sorry, Nicosi Tafari out. And here's my favorite one of the whole day. Did I get everybody? Yeah, okay, here's my favorite one of the whole day. Matt Hedge is out. So
1: I don't Christ.
2: uh, Yeah. Wait a second. What about didn't Martinez or Martinez leave the game early? I'll get into that in a second. Okay. Uh, So no hedges at all today. I asked and he's apparently inside now rumor has it. And this is my kind of rumor. Not somebody that listening heard from their hairdryer hairdresser. This is like (laughs) around the, the chatter I'm getting is that it's something with his back which would explain his not immobility and inflexibility when you talked about that goal and his inability to close the guy and how he got turned. So, stay Carry tuned. In the team
0: for too many years.
2: Yeah, he's carrying the team. So, stay tuned on Matt Hedges perhaps being out for a while. Not to be... No, I'm not reporting anything. Don't anybody get excited. I'm I'm just panicking about it. Well,
1: that would not excite me in any way, but Yes.
2: <laughs> no. Hedges being out is not good. Okay, so here's the other two things that are sort of... Not, they're not injury-related, but uh, Martinez and Franco Haar are 100% for sure being load-managed. Um, both of them got pulled out basically like two-thirds of the way through training. They both got pulled out of training and then went and sat on the side. Now, Har is because he's 9,000 years old. But Martinez, I'm assuming it's because he came through a whole uh, La Liga season before he came here, basically, or part of one or was one. So he's been playing since last August or whatever, right? So I'm so- assuming...
1: So was the sub of him in the, in the Salt Lake game an yeah. injury or a load no, management sub? I think it
2: was load management because, you know, one of one, you want to get, keep Rasan active and invite Gage, number one. You're going to need to rotate those guys over the course of the season. And But now, particularly with Hedges hurt, they're just being careful with Martinez, I think. So no sign of injuries. He looks 100% fine to me. When he left training, they didn't like ice him or stretch him. He just went over there and sat there, you know, and talked to one of the coaches. So I didn't see any signs of injury with him, but – Nonetheless, they had to bring in two center backs from uh, North Texas, uh, Kaiser and uh, Para, And Johnny Nelson played center back for about half a practice today. Not left back, center back in a back four. So that's where we're at with available center backs. You're down to two center backs, period. End of story. You got Brisson and and Martinez, and that's it.
1: Lucci's going to roll out a three center back lineup on Saturday. Yeah,
2: well, (laughs) he might want to on the road, but he can't. And they did not do three center backs today at all. It was 100% back four. So we'll get to the lineup in a minute. Um, but anyway, there's a whole lot of bodies missing. And I know Dan has some time on stuff on some of these guys. Go ahead, Dan.
0: Yeah, so let's just start with the uh, the one I don't think got mentioned, Jesus Ferreira. Uh, Luci mentioned that he's training independently. He's not allowed to take contact. So he may train on Friday when they have that kind of do-nothing walkthrough. Um, but they're probably looking about, they, they, they said, he, you know, he's taken longer than they first anticipated, uh, just where it's the shoulder and they're worried about this, you know, repeat dislocations and building the muscle up around there. Uh, so they said, say, you know, it's going to be after the FIFA window. Uh, he may be a little bit losing his rhythm and, and his fitness will be definitely down, but they want to you know, try and build that before they really risk him. Which I mean, you know, you've got Pepe, you've got Hari, you've got O'Brien can play up there, you've you've got a few options. Um moving on, you've got uh Felipe, uh two weeks uh for his uh thigh injury. Kyle Zobeck should be back in training uh in the next week. Um And Nicosi Tafari, uh, they are talking about training by the end of the week. So, uh, you know, he could technically compete, I guess, the end of... uh, Well, actually, he would be uh, cleared to compete after the the window, too. So watch this window.
1: Wow, the the nursery is full. Yeah. Okay. So what does that mean for Saturday in Colorado?
2: Well, uh, I thought it was interesting that we were talking earlier. I said that the lineup in the last game was a four three three. It's the same as it had always been. It slightly got changed, and yet the club for some reason called it a four one four one. Well, it turns out that apparently it, it's that's because of Lucci. So because he actually like in training today, he actually yelled at the whole team. Not I'm not mad at them, but yelled where everybody could hear it. You know, four one four one, which is ridiculous to me because it's the same 3 as as always. So I because like the idea to me. And a four-one-four-one is that you have legit outside wide midfielders that are playing on top of the outside backs, and that's not really what FC Dallas does. But if you remember that, this is what I mean about it being a new formation. When I said in my teaser thing, you remember that Lucci only thinks that tactics are like shapes are only like a starting point, right? So basically, right. when I, I was trying to, well, after he said that, I tried to watch training and see what he was talking about. And so basically, the where you really will see it was when they can com- if they compress into a low block they'll definitely sit back in a 4-1-4-1. And Tanner sits closer to the center backs, like right in front of them. And then mm-hmm. there's a line of four, and it leaves Hara by himself. And so I think some of this, uh, him calling it that, and them st- sitting that way sometimes defensively, is because it forces Frank O'Hara to recognize that he's the only guy. And it makes him realize that I don't... Because like if you call O'Brien and Vargas wings, then he's like, oh, I got two wings, I'm going to drop in. And they don't want that. They want him to be high, so, in a way, I almost think like Lucci's calling it this to trick Frank O'Hara into playing the way they wanted to play, which is crazy to me. But that's what I could come up with in terms of like why he's calling it that. Because you guys watch the game, O'Brien and Vargas are still playing like wings, right? It's not four one four one like I think of with like Ronnie O'Brien sitting wide <laughs> crossing the ball in, right? It's not that.
1: Okay, hold on. Wait a second. This is the dumbest <laughs> know, right? thing I've ever heard. I know. And i am you know, Buzz, I love you and everything, but I think you're crazy and you're overthinking this because if in fact you were correct, yeah, that would be the dumbest thing I've ever heard in the history of soccer.
2: <laughs> Which part that they're doing it to trick Frank O'Hara? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Like, like the like, only way you can yeah. get
1: your $2.9 million striker yeah. to play the number nine correctly is to trick him into yeah, doing it.
2: Cause he, he wants to false nine. So if he thinks he's in a front three, he wants to drop in and be like, almost like a 10 and come back and pick the ball up. But if he thinks he's at the uh, high on an Island, you know, and, and it shows up that way when they sit back, then it'll make him be like, Oh, I gotta be the guy. I gotta get up here so that these dudes can run up and play off of me, which is what they want. So you know, like maybe there really is again, tactics are fluid in the modern game, so I just thought it was hysterical that he actually called it a four one four one. I was like, why would you do that? It's not like it executes like that. I mean, it does defensively, but it doesn't offensively, so it's like okay, that's what I got. I'm going yeah. with the francoo an idiot version that's my that's my my story. I'm sticking to it <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm sure there's a supporters' group uh chant that could be created out of yeah. out of that somehow, yeah. Um, okay, so uh, there was a one of the national uh, Twitter accounts, personality, writer, pundits, journalists. I can't remember which one was asking today, legitimately, why Paxton's not getting more minutes. Um, he Probably Doyle. He no, it wasn't. It was um, Harrison Crow. I think his name is. I don't remember. Maybe. Anyway, okay, um, and. Um, and and I you know and nobody kind of responded and and I said well I you know I think maybe uh, his the severity of his injury and his surgery and subsequent you know um, uh, what's the word uh, 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 what, setback That's have, what, yeah, yeah the the setback that he had yeah. maybe a little bit more severe than that guy realized. Um, and, uh, and, and I, and I, but I do begin to wonder at what point buzz, are we going to start to see Paxton go from 30 minutes to, I mean, I don't really know if it, if, if if there's ever a scenario where he comes in at halftime, I have a feeling that this is going to be one of those deals where he just continues to play 30 minutes at the end of the game. And then eventually at some point, either because they absolutely have to use him or something else, he just starts, he ends up starting again.
2: Well, I, I just realized that I'd, in the previous question, I didn't actually go through the lineup, but I'll, let me do the Paxton first and then I'll explain the lineup. Um, for me, I think Paxton, in terms of like his 100% form, I think it's okay that you could you could now start him. I don't think he's 90 minutes fit yet, but I think he could start. But here's the deal. This weekend, you're going on the road to Colorado, altitude right, which is mm-hmm. going to be – that's a high-stress environment – Physical team, Colorado's physical, right? So why not sit on him for two more weeks, sit on him this week and bring him off the bench one more time, Mm -hmm. and then you'll have two weeks off, and then you can target that FC Dallas game versus Minnesota, which is a home game on the 19th. So that's three weeks from now. And I'm sure the players will get a little break, so he'll get a little bit of a rest, and then you can hit him hard for two weeks of fitness to get him ready for the 19th. I think that makes perfect sense that the 19th is when you can actually start him. Now you're right. You don't just bring him at halftime. That doesn't work. What you do is you start him. If you think you can push him to 55, 60 minutes, then you can start him. You know, you're going to have to sub him, but that's how you do it. And I think the 19th is a perfect game. So that to me is the answer to the question. I think he's now physically ready. It's just now going to be the fitness for the ready and it's not going to be this week for sure, based on what I saw in training today. So if that answers the why Paxton are you laughing? Far, no, just that he he never he didn't get any rotations with the first team. Ah, okay. So right. um, if that answers the passing question, then I'll go on to the lineup, which I failed to actually do in the previous answer. Okay, no, go ahead. Four one four one. So Hedges is out. It's it, there's not a lot of changes There's because there's nobody available. Maurer in the goal in goal. Uh, Munjoma Brisson right back right center back Martinez. Holling said Tanner again is that deep six Acosta Ricarte double eights Vargas O'Brien and Hara. So one reason why I didn't think to go through it is it literally is the same lineup as the last game. So Mm. you'll see that same formation in that same lineup. I think Paxton will come in, you know, they'll try and bring him again, 30, 35 minutes, use that altitude to push the fitness, you know, and I, and I'm, and and I think the 19th is when you see him start.
1: Okay. Uh, by the way, I just real quick question: Did Paxton get the credit for the assist on Ryan's goal?
2: Uh, I don't remember.
0: I'd Dan, have to look. do you know? Uh, he's credited with an assist oh, yeah. this season, so yeah, yeah, I guess yeah he, he got
1: the. Assi- I'm looking at it right now. I should have just looked it up myself. Yes, he did yeah. get the assist, and, and he started that play too. By the yeah, way, yeah. that was. What was very nice about it. Okay. Um, Anything else about Colorado coming up that we should talk about? uh, I've
0: I've actually got a question for Buzz. Um,
1: Okay. It's question
0: time. What formation were they playing against in the reps? Uh,
2: Goodness. Let me think about that.
0: Because Colorado has played three formations in three
2: weeks. Uh, A back four. Um, and then the you know, same sort of four, three, three mostly, but there was a lot of talk. Lucci kept having, um, the outside backs change roles. Like he kept having the outside backs push higher, almost like they were wing backs, and having the wings check inside a lot. So it was almost like they were trying to defend against a team that shifts formations during mm-hmm. the game. So it'll be interesting this, you know, they're probably trying to anticipate multiple versions of stuff. Um, yeah.
0: yeah because obviously we saw on opening day they played that uh, was it that kind of 4-3-3 uh, you know against Houston they played uh, a 4-4-2 of high wings more more so than wide midfielders and interestingly against LA last week they played a 5-3-2 like a traditional 5-3-2 Michael Barrios as the off striker uh, uh, Rubio um feeding him, you know, holding up and feeding him the ball. Uh, Barrios, you know, got their only goal in the uh, in the 2-1 loss. So I just wondered like uh you know what they what they kind of anticipated Colorado doing.
2: Well, that probably explains why they were using sort of the shifting back line, you know, from regular outside backs to wing backs and having they were playing most of the time it was a double A, but they were having guys drop in. So it looks like they were anticipating, you know, multiple things. If that tells you anything.
0: Where else can you get this kind of insight?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, I don't know. That may tell you something, Dan, because the answer is probably nowhere else. Um, All right. So uh, Saturday night, I think the game, yeah, the Saturday night, the game is at eight o'clock Dallas time up in Colorado, um, and it will be on channel 21. There you go. All right. Now. Let's uh, talk about a few other things, and one of which I want to talk about is kind of a bummer piece of news because one of the things that also happened on Saturday leading up to the game was the uh, news that we found out that a friend of ours had passed away, and we did not—I'm I, I, going to say I did not know that she was sick. Now, she died of pancreatic cancer, and that would be Denise Isla, who was— Um, somebody that we all engaged with on a week-to-week basis with this club as a a member of the media, literally dating back to the original days of this club in 1996 up in the press box of the Cotton Bowl. And we found out on Saturday that she has been down in her native Peru, uh, I guess in some sort of... um, hospice care, and she finally passed away from pancreatic cancer. I don't know how long she's been battling it. I can't even remember the last time I saw Denise, which I probably largely attributed to COVID and not being able to go to games and the oddity of how they've been managing the press box and media uh, access and so forth. So I was really heartbroken to hear that news uh and it was really sad because uh she was she was a constant and she always had a smile on her face she was a really wonderful person she did her job the way she wanted to do it she drove uh the club nuts um on occasion in her own special way but it was always with the best of intentions and trying to cover the team well uh so uh i hope uh, rest in peace uh denise uh, we will miss you
2: yeah this is a person that is a and a, a handful of maybe five or six people that have been around this club since the very beginning that are still around. I don't mean working for the team. I just mean around it in general, like Carlos, basically myself, you, a couple of the Inferno guys, Steve Davis, Steve Davis, Denise. I mean, that's really about it, right? So this is a person that we've known, um, you know, and been friends with for a long, long time. Uh, I remember my last interaction with her. It was right before the pandemic. And, and if you guys know her, you'll this will make you chuckle, I think. Uh, it was at practice, and at practice, most fans may not know this. You're not supposed to shoot pictures or video for more than the first 15 <laughs> minutes or the last 15 minutes of practice. Well, the first 15 minutes, they stand around doing kicking the ball like, like in a two foot thing, and it's worthless. And then the last 15 minutes, well, when does that happen? They don't tell you, like the coach doesn't go 15 minute warning, so you don't know when that is. So my last interaction with her is being like up on the Northern more end of the field and like screening her from the media people with my body. So she can stand behind me and take pictures of guys in the middle of training. So that's my last interaction with Denise is running interference so she can take pictures. (laughs) uh, Well, hold on, hold on.
1: Before you tell more of that story for the uh, pod listener, who's never met you in person. And I'm going to guess that most of them don't even know who Denise is. Denise was this was this tiny Peruvian woman. I mean, she what she was yeah. like maybe what five oh, two, yeah, five one five two. She probably weighed eighty pounds. She was tiny. So you. Buzz, uh, don't take this the wrong way. You could hide her easily.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. Oh no, I was blocking her whole body.
1: (laughs) You're a a billboard compared to her.
2: (laughs) Yeah, and and she and I are giggling and laughing about it. And she's literally she she and her camera both are behind me, and I'm kind of turning my body a little bit to make it even bigger as I'm like watching training. And uh, you know, it's just I, I love that my last interaction with her is. Doing something like that and trying as her breaking the rules and me helping her do it and 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 you know I'm not saying go out and break the rules I'm just saying like it's just a perfect encapsulation of our relationship you know and somebody I worked alongside for you know 24 years that I've been involved in this team and and I, every time I go to training I'm like now I'm like it's just like I every time I go to Pizza Pizza Park Toyota Stadium I think about Bobby Ryan that there in Texadelphia. And then Denise, every time I go to practice now, every time I would think about taking pictures around the team, I would be like, "It's gonna remind me of her.
1: Yeah, you know, it's funny um, to talk about this because uh, Buzz, uh, you know, you and I have been around this for so long. We've been through every iteration of the front office and how they've all chosen to interact with the local media uh, over the 26 years we've been doing this. And Denise was part of that. And we all have, I think we all generally would tend to agree that, you know, there have been different regimes of people that all had different ways of um, interacting and uh, building relationships with the media, specifically those that attended games uh, on a regular or went to practice on the regular. And, uh, you know, and and we and and as we do, we all sit around and we talk about uh, how happy we are with them or how frustrated we are with them. Um, and, in or joking about the silly rules they put in place that, that don't make any sense or things that they perceive to be protections or of their guarded secrets that are all, we all look at each other and go, <laughs> you gotta be kidding me, right? Yeah, yeah. And Denise was just one of those people that were fun to be a part of that little family of people that were, you know, trying to cover the team and. Man, it bums me out greatly that she's gone. Uh, that and and let me also say this: uh, it's it's a it, it comes at a cost to this club because she was one of the first off. There's not a ton of lit, uh, Latina or Latin female people that cover soccer as well as she did. Uh, and two, it's not like this club can afford to lose uh, media members who are interested in providing them coverage.
2: Yeah, no, it's definitely a blow in terms of building audience for this team. Uh, you know, there's. Man, I don't even know who, other than Carlos, I don't even know people that write Spanish articles anymore other than Denise. She was the last one. What happened to know.
1: Silvania? Uh, I, at Aldea. Yeah. Oh, she did. Okay. Yeah, I Man, knew I hadn't seen her in a while. Yeah,
2: I can't remember the last time I've seen any Hispanic reporter. I mean, Carlos works for the team. I mean, other than Denise, I can't remember the last time I've seen a, a Spanish reporter at practice. There's a couple that do the Zoom calls. You mm-hmm. know, most more of them, most of them are TV guys. But like print-wise and shooting, I don't, I don't think there was anybody left that I know of.
1: Yeah, hmm.
2: it's a loss. They, they all got chased
0: off, and I think Denise was also the only, uh, the only outlet out of Fort Worth as well, uh, working for. Uh, oh yeah, the,
1: that's uh, right. Yeah,
0: you know the one associated to the Star Telegram, Australia.
1: Yeah. yeah,
0: which meant all of her stuff was then translated to English for the Star Telegram as well. So now they're down
1: to. Yeah, nothing. nothing. Yeah, uh, Denise was a hustler when it came to doing her job. I mean, she w- she would bend the rules. She would take photos when she wasn't supposed to, and she would try to go grab interviews when she had been told not to, and things like. I mean, I, the, you know, Denise came with her own set of uh, frustrations for the media teams with the club, um, no doubt about it. But she was just trying to do her job and and, and do the job as best she could. So uh, I, I'm glad we got a, to take a few minutes. Uh, to talk about her, and I do appreciate that the club uh, got around to actually uh, acknowledging her uh, and her passing on their social media channels, so Amen. Uh, rest in peace. The other uh, stuff moving on that we should talk about is the uh, ever-pending news of one Justin Che, yet another FC Dallas great that we'll never actually see an FC Dallas <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah. Here, there's a
2: reason, here's a reason why I put this on the format, because what I wanted to talk about was not that he's getting a call up, because that's cool. But it's the, the thing that's been driving me crazy this week is there's now all these soccer experts all over Twitter medias and social medias. They're talking about how great Justin Che is. And I'm like, not a one of you guys has ever seen the dude play. Right. And he's, he's the exact same – well, he's probably not the exact same player. But the only difference really between Justin Che a year ago when nobody knew who he was and nobody even knew what his name was or had ever seen anything about him, and Justin Che now who's getting a national team call up, is the fact that people found out Byron liked him. There's no difference. Like He's right. only getting this call up because he went quite smartly, by the way, went into the German media and talked about how he's half German or whatever, speaks German, has a German passport, and wants to play for Germany. Oh, Crap, we better get in the cap, right? Smart, totally savvy. But there's not a one of these dudes that has seen the kid play, knows how good he is. I mean, Alter has, of course. But all these experts, it drives me crazy. Like, there's no difference between Justin Che a year ago and Justin Che now. The kid works hard. Don't get me wrong. Byron's got a great coaching staff, I'm sure. But I guarantee you, it's just so silly that now he's like the greatest player in the world. When a year ago, it's like, who's this guy starting for the North Texas?
0: I think those uh, US Youth. Uh, oh, I found him first. I found him first. Kind of types are actually more toxic than Ted and his pro rail people. Oh, it's well, close, yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think as all of us being the old guys, um, in version one, uh, uh, version one point guys, I think this is probably the best way to describe us is we've seen all this before, and 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 we and you can obviously tell. Those people on social media who tend to put up the facade of being some sort of soccer expert or have some sort of deep knowledge of the pool of players are just people repeating things they've seen other th- other people say or the lemmings that all fall off the cliff, follow everybody off the cliff over somebody, well, right? They've
0: seen a highlight of one tackle and they've went, I know his game now.
1: Yeah, or uh, you two... Yeah, exactly. So it... it <laughs> I get where you're coming from, Buzz. You're yeah. absolutely right. Justin Che's call up to the national team is more about a function of just circumstance and convenience than anything else. I don't mean to denigrate him in any way, yeah. but he's only – one, you're right. He's only there because he he's he happens to be over in Germany trialing with Byron. Uh, Byron. Two, Chris Richards got hurt. Yeah. Like if Chris Richards was healthy, Justin Che isn't getting a call up.
2: No, no. And that's the thing is like I guarantee you that none of these people went back and watched North Texas tape. They're not watching Bayern 2. That ain't on anywhere. So it's like they're talking about how great he is. It's like, dude, you guys don't have any idea. I mean, Byron likes him, but right now he's an FC Dallas player. They it's haven't also, bought him yet.
0: It's also not a real call-up. It's a, hey, you're in Germany. We're, we're going to have yeah. a camp in Switzerland. Come and be a... Come and be a reserve defender for us when we have eleven V elevens.
1: Yeah, I, I and I hope nobody listens to this and thinks that we're uh, uh knocking Justin or oh, uh, no. you know, Oh
0: far. From yeah. it. But this is how this is how things work. This is how training camps are. Same yeah. as you know.
2: Yeah, Kevin Bonilla's been in U23 camps. It doesn't mean anything. But listen, let's talk about how great Justin Shea is. Don't get me wrong. The kid's a phenomenal defender. He's a terrific passer, really great on the ball. He can dribble out of the back, plays much more aggressively Defensively than a lot of guys do. His weak spot is actually one-on-one defending because he was not a defender for very long before he joined North Texas. So that's the thing he's got to work on. He's got to learn the tactical defending. He's got to learn the technique of body and one-on-one versus big strikers and all that kind of stuff. Again, this is like a raw tools guy that Byron is losing their mind over him because all the pieces are there for him to be truly great. But he's a long way from that. You guys saw him with North Texas. Well, maybe Peter didn't because you don't watch them, but. Dan did. He's very raw all last season. Now progressed the whole time. I'm sure he's progressed at Byron, but there's no way he needs to, to be starting for the senior national team anytime in the next year, at least probably
1: who buzz. If you had to do a comparison between him and Chris Richards, just based on pure upside, yeah. who, who wins out in that battle?
2: Oh, um, well, Chris Richards is a better passer, particularly a long range passer. He has better passing vision Chase probably better like uh, not that Chris Richards is bad with the ball at his feet, but Chris Richards, uh, Justin Che being a former attacking player is probably better dribbling out of tight space, dribbling out of trouble. Um, So they both have the, the, the great, the new, great, hot multi hundred million dollar player in world soccer. And you know, this Peter is the center back. that can dribble and pass. Those Mm -hmm. guys are worth a hundred million. So Byron, is looking at both of these guys as could I turn them into superstar center backs that are worth obscene amounts of money. And that's their both potential. They both have pace. They both have athleticism. They're, Chris is taller and it's better in the air, but Justin is probably a tiny bit more athletic and they're both really good passers. Chris is better uh, and Justin's better on the ball.
1: I was, I was reading, I can't remember if it was a Twitter thread or an article today that I guess Richard's, is in some sort of weird limbo with Byron and Hoffenheim that you know Hoffenheim wants him back, but now he's going back to Byron and now Byron may try to sell him for a bunch of money. I think they they think maybe they can get ten or twelve million for him, but that may may not be enough. Um, it'll be interesting to keep an eye on that, to see where that goes, because that is uh, a pile of money that Dallas would get for whatever they sell them. I don't know what, the, you don't happen to know what the sell on percentage was. For uh, Chris I think it's
2: is. 40% for Chris. I'm not really sure. I thought it was interesting That's that, what did I you me. say 40, 40? 40%? Yeah.
1: Wow. Okay.
2: Uh, it's also interesting that apparently from what I've read that Justin Chase buyout is more like three or 4 million. Rather than one, and I joked that the first taste was free, and the second one's going to cost you. But the yeah. the buyer's having to pay a little more this time to get the kid, you know, yeah. from Dallas. So there'll be a sell on. I'm sure it's already been negotiated with Justin Shea, too.
1: Man, um, I can't wait to get my check for that.
2: Yeah, well, you're not getting checks anymore. Yeah, I don't. Wait, you, you're
0: on. a
1: season ticket to No, I was about to say I'm not a season. I was never getting a check anyway. I was just making a joke about the fact that nobody's getting their effing checks that they promised them. Look, they would have only bounced anyway. I don't care. It was the bit. I liked the bit. I thought the bit was funny. And, I, you know, you don't just kill the bit and not tell anybody you're killing the bit. That's the part that yeah. is what so a, stupid. Don't kill the bit. What
0: a great chance to uh, show the new sponsor, UMB Bank, <laughs> never say Chase again.
1: All right. Uh, and Buzz, here in the uh, red crayon written run sheet, it says, Servania return question mark.
2: Yeah, you know, they, the team wrote this article like a couple of weeks ago about how his club got relegated and, you know, he was going to come back or whatever. Well, it turns out there's this really weird... Because the the two teams that finished at the top of the second division apparently are not licensed... Where is he playing? In Sweden? In Austria.
1: Austria, they're not, okay. They're not
2: a licensed for the first division. So the highest licensed team in Division Two gets to play against Brandon's club in a two-leg playoff. So... The first leg was today, and the other one's next week, this next weekend. And uh, so that's why he's not back, and I, I assume they will be back after that.
1: Wait a second. That makes no sense. So wait. Yeah. If the, if the team he's playing on isn't licensed to no, get no, his promoted. Is. His, oh, is.
2: His. his team got relegated, but the two the, teams uh... that finished at the top of the Austrian division can't come up. So the highest team they can find that is licensed to come up <laughs> is playing his team to see which one gets to stay. So, so it's the weirdest stuff I've ever seen.
1: Well, you know what that is, Buzz. That's the that's the future of major league soccer. That's the that's the compromise promotion relegation yeah. structure they'll put in place.
2: Something like that. It's weird. I mean, they lost four nothing in leg one, so maybe they'll rebound in leg two, but um, the team
0: sure. they played against has the greatest name in the world, Austria Klagenfurt. Oh, that is good. <laughs> That is That's even better than Sport Club Nieder, whatever, Sankt
1: Polten. Yeah. I don't know. I like the Norwegian club. They're good. Uh, is it the Green, uh, Greenland club, Odd?
2: Yeah, Odd. Oh, That's Greenland, yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, I think yeah. it is in Greenland. Uh, all right, Buzz. And then in your tease, now you teased uh, for Ooh. a new formation, and I guess that's the 4141? Yeah, that's the new okay. formation. Yeah. So I want to make sure we pay off the tease, Buzz, right? I mean, that's yeah. th- this is broadcasting 101 here, so we've paid off <laughs> that tease. Yeah. The other tease is that you made some sort of big promise that you were going to tell everybody something about a, a surprise signing.
2: Well, it's. I think there's going to be a surprise signing. I don't I don't know anything. I'm not reporting anything. I just think there's going to be one. Uh, and it's going to be this week because the window closes. But on Tuesday, Dan, is that Monday? Or Monday? Something like that. Uh, um, Sunday. Sunday, right around the corner. I think it'll be before the weekend they're going to sign a player. And here's why I think that's true. Uh, it's not going to be as exciting as everyone's going to hope. Sorry to burst your bubble. So you guys uh, saw me tweet out, I assume, earlier today that Mark Salas – and Gio Monte de Seca showed back, showed up at training today. Right. So and Who were they again? They're the they're the third round draft picks that Dallas made. They both played for the Academy. They both played at UNC and they stayed in school and they went to the semifinal. Um the, the reason
1: I know this, I,
2: <laughs> stay with me I, here.
1: Well, no, I'm just suddenly I'm yeah. suddenly getting a sense that this this it's isn't not, gonna be as exciting as I was hoping I said it that. was going yeah. to be. Okay, it's not gonna right. be
2: really as exciting <laughs> as you think. So Daniel, appreciate this. I'm out of practice and Mark Solace runs past me. And I thought I said to one of the social media guys standing next to me, I was like, Oh, Hey, is that Mark sauce? And he's like, Oh yeah, he and geo are back, which is when I tweeted that I was like, great. Well, no sign of geo. So I'm assuming geo is out there with North Texas. And as Mark Solace is running by me, I think to myself, he's wearing FC Dallas gear and he runs past me and he runs over and he starts doing like some fitness kind of running over on the side and I thought, well, that's that's really weird. And so then he's done with all his running and he goes over and he stands over there and starts talking to some of the coaches. And I thought, ah, oh, you know, I'm sure they're just, he's got some gear on, no big deal, whatever. I'm, I don't think anything about it. But then I'm watching training and I'm watching Johnny Nelson play center back. I'm, wa- I'm watching these two guys from North Texas play center back. And I'm starting to think, man, there's, there's no defenders on this team, really. I'm watching Benny Redzek play right back. I'm watching <laughs> oh, all this crazy shit happen. And then all of a sudden, Mark Solis subs in to FC Dallas training and plays right back.
0: Alongside Lucci at center back.
2: Well, not Lucci at center back, but you guys remember, you guys may not remember this or, or know this. Mark Solis was part of Lucci's teams that won Dallas Cup and won the developmental league. So Lucci knows Mark Solis and trusts him. That kid can play legitimately. He can play at any of the four spots across the back line and maybe even holding mid. Now, naturally, he's a right back. And right now, who's the other right back on this team other than Eddie Munjoma? I mean, really not anybody. I mean, I watched Emma Tuomasi today play Ryan. Ryan, right. Emma Tuomasi played 80% of the training in midfield, in central midfield, and looked great, by the way. That's a whole different thing. All right. And then, but I was like, all of a sudden here comes Mark Salas rotating in at right back with the first team. And that's when it hit me. The kids in the, you know, Dan, you know this. When they show up in the FC Dallas gear, Right? That's what happens with the academy kids when they sign homegrown contracts is all of a sudden they're wearing the Dallas gear. So it popped into my head. The window closes in like three or four days. This team's missing like five defenders. You need a right back. This kid can even play center back if you need him to. They got four open roster spots. So that's my signing. They're going to sign. That's my prediction.
1: Between third and the third-round draft pick.
2: Yeah, so they're going to sign. Not, not a third-round draft pick. A guy that, that Lucci knows and trusts they're going to sign him. That's my prediction. I wonder if he just happens it to I be I a know.
1: third round draft pick.
2: I told you not to get excited. But you
1: know. <laughs> well, I like <laughs> your I like the fact that you're excited about your uh your process of deduction for dis- figuring yeah, this out. That's so, what I'm
2: excited about. That's
1: yeah. impressive. Yeah. The signing, man, eh, not so much, but you figuring out who it is and making the prediction. Yeah. That's pretty exciting.
2: We'll see if I'm right. Yeah.
1: Um, I, since we're talking about signings and this was noise that we were hearing about a couple of weeks ago, yet I've not heard anything about it recently. I mean, up, up until the point we were actually hearing stories about how he was refusing to play for his team in Argentina <laughs> so that he could uh, make sure he didn't get hurt before coming to Dallas, uh, yeah. Fasundo Quigan, uh, now is, is that a six that the team is actually going to sign? Do we know anything? Have we heard anything?
2: Well, I, I did a little quick internet snooping today and man, is his team mad. back down in yeah they're pissed Uh, his contract ends June 30th and the MLS window opens July 7th you know a week later so you know uh, there was multiple articles today talking about how no deal is done you know but you know the guys sitting out of games and and there was even a quote from I think I don't know where it was this coach or his technical director saying like if he's willing to do this to us he's going to do it to you next you know talking about Dallas so
1: oh the cheating you know, husband yeah. accusation oh yeah. wow okay.
2: so I mean you know between the fact that it was in Aldea that's legit number one but then you know for for this level of like the technical directors and coaches talking about it and the guys refusing to play I mean this is obviously happening so you know he's a legit six they need a six he's twenty eight prime of career you know. This is all happening. Yeah.
1: Have you watched his YouTube highlight video? I have, yet?
2: I have not yet I have not. But the I did read some scouts of him today and they talk about him being really good on the ball and being a good passer and a terrific defender. So I mean that sounds like sounds all good to me.
1: But is he an I, asshole?
2: I don't know. He could be.
0: I you know. want it's kind of funny that I, I was gonna say it's kinda of funny he sat out those couple of games and then he's played ninety minutes every game ever since.
2: Yeah. Well, you know, they probably some of the language was about you've got to live up to your contract. I'm sure they probably threatened to withhold money or something. So maybe right. it's right now. But, really should have learned something from him.
1: Yeah. I want a Daniel Hernandez-level jerk face on the field for this club.
2: Oh, that'd be nice, wouldn't it? Yeah.
1: I want a guy who will punch somebody else on the field if it comes to that.
0: Yeah. Will he get stuck in and win his fifties? Yes, exactly,
1: Dan. That's exactly what I mean. I want a guy that will get stuck in and win his fifties.
0: Wait, is is the show over?
1: No, it's not. No. <laughs> oh, wrong show. That's, <laughs> Sorry. A, that's wrong show. Wrong show. Yeah. Okay, let's shift away from all things FC Dallas and move on to other action in the area as our very own John Leonard went out and covered the Chisholm Trail Derby, Classic. is it called? Classico. Classico. Okay. Yeah. Classico, which is the Denton Diablos versus Fort Worth. What did John have? We should have invited him to come on and squeak oh, talk.
0: So excited! it have been amazing.
1: Oh man, that was a bad bad buzz. Give him Why some did Red
0: Bulls. Let him just drop the away. ball
1: like that. The, the pod listeners love John Leonard. I think you love John Leonard. <laughs> oh okay. Too I, uh, I do love John
2: Leonard. All right, go ahead, Dan. Support local soccer.
0: Yeah, uh, Chisholm, Chisholm, Classico, first leg. Uh, Fort Worth, Ficaris for take the lead up just five minutes into the second half. And then, uh, well, long story short, Denton ran out five two, five three 5-3 winners or 5-2 winners. 5-3. Um,
1: I think there were eight goals I read.
0: There were. Uh, John did a nice little recap. Uh, we have... Uh, actually, if you want to see all eight goals uh, in preparation for this weekend's second leg of the Chisling Trail Classico, you can check them out on the bottom of uh, John's recap on the blog. So, uh, and then, yeah, they they return um, on Saturday at the Vela Soccer Complex and, uh, in Denton, 6pm kickoff. So that would get you finished just in time to watch FC Dallas do do things uh, in Commerce City.
1: Do things. <laughs> okay. I will say I have enjoyed watching the guy that owns the Denton Diablos. Damon is his Damon, name, right? Yeah, Damon Guggen. And, and his crazy beard, that giant beard of his, uh, posting videos of him Strutting around town with, I guess the the whoever wins this particular derby, there's a giant le- wrestling belt or yeah. boxing belt that yeah. the that the winning team gets, and he owns it at this time, and uh, he keeps posting videos of him uh, wearing it around town, stroking it sexually. Uh, it's <laughs> very funny. I enjoyed the one of him
0: wearing bit. nothing but the belt was a little bit much, though.
1: I think I've missed that video. That must be on a different uh, social media app than I'm on. Oh,
2: Oh, sorry, that was the wrong website entirely. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, 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 should, I should delete that from my history, actually. I like Probably his uh, big ZZ Top beard. It's like it's a little bigger than he is.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think that's yeah. like all the ZZ Top beards combined. That yeah. thing is, it's that huge. beard is insane. Yeah, for sure. All right, well, uh, and that game, I'm sorry. So, Dan, when is the second leg of that and where is it? Uh, Saturday,
0: uh, Vela Soccer Complex in, uh, in Denton, and then that will be uh, 6 p.m. kickoff.
1: All right, and I'm sure you can buy tickets somewhere to go to that, or is it open to the public to go to?
0: I believe you just show up and pay someone like 5 bucks or 10 bucks, whatever it is.
1: Okay, all right, excellent. Okay, um, any, is there any kit nerd stuff we need to talk about?
2: No, North Texas Soccer Club is playing a home game this weekend, and you guys should go check them out. They're quite good. When, it, when, when is that game? Saturday at uh, 4.30, actually, so you can catch it in the afternoon and go do something else that night. Mm
1: Hmm. Mm -hmm. Stroking my chin. I don't have the show this weekend.
2: There you go.
0: You do have Mm -hmm. the uh, Champions League final to watch.
1: Oh, wait. Yep. Champions League final. Sorry, Buzz. Sorry. Sorry, North Texas Soccer Hey, your loss.
0: it has got a Euro
2: snob it.
1: Absolutely.
2: You and Lucci watch the Champions League.
1: (laughs) Holding hands.
2: (laughs) Since we found out he's a Euro snob. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah. Could you imagine a photograph of me and Lucci sitting on the sofa holding hand watching the Champions League <laughs> final? That'd be fun. <laughs> that would be very funny. You
2: think Gina will get you that hookup?
1: Uh, sure. Absolutely. Yeah. She's she's easy to work with that way okay uh don't forget everybody third degree of the podcast is brought to you by soccer 90 champions at the aforementioned champion League final is here and there's a sale on 40 percent off all the select european club gear through saturday the 29th and of course because you are a very special third degree listener you get 25% off all your merchandise when you use the code Third Degree at checkout at soccer90.com. And I will say, I love nothing more on the interwebs than seeing people post pictures of the stuff they buy from Soccer90 that they got for 25% off by using the code Third Degree at checkout. I love that. Exactly. So yeah, please it's awesome. keep doing it. Yeah. it is great. All right, Dan, thank you. Uh, it's good talking to you this week.
0: Good talking to you. Thanks a lot.
1: Buzz, thanks for uh, making me feel better about that crummy tie against Salt Lake.
2: Oh, you're welcome. And by the way, if anyone's stuck around this long to this podcast, it must mean you like it. Perhaps you can consider supporting us. Patreon.com slash third degree.
1: Yeah, give Buzz money. All you're right. Welcome. Thank you, uh, good listeners to the pod. We will speak to you next week on another edition of Third Degree, the podcast. Go do something. Third Degree, the Third Degree Network Podcast. Third degree, the third degree near
0: pocket. Third degree, the third degree near pocket. Third degree, the third degree near pocket.